0: Welcome into Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are getting into a September mailbag, Gavin, starting today.
1: Yeah, so much fun stuff. What is the potential ceiling of this New York Knicks team? Which of the young stars is a good comp for Derek Jeter's Mets fans? Cover your ears. And one more fun question. How would we compare the Knicks to the Fantastic Four? Which slot would each player fill? All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks.
0: You are locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starks,
1: without a
0: five, Ewing for the land, yes! up, up left, he now fires it, three. he's good, and he's fouled! He's out, and he's out! Anthony for three! Locked on Nicks We want to thank you guys for making Locked on Nicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I'm Alex Wolf, I'm editor-in-chief of Nicks site, like The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are, as we said, getting into some September mailbag questions today. No need to jabber on any further with the the introduction. Let's just get right to it. Our first question comes from Josh Stanton at jstanton22 on Twitter. And Josh wants to know, let's say RJ takes the leap we all expect him to. Jalen is the player from the playoffs and Tibbs commits to the kids. What is the ceiling for this team? Gavin, I noticed one conspicuously absent name on that list that I actually think affects my perception of what this team's ceiling can be the most. Uh, so I'll throw it to you first and see if you concur. What do you think? If if all three of those things happen, uh, what do you think the next ceiling is this year?
1: You're talking about Marty Collins, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. They're okay. re-signing him from wherever he happens to be playing these days. Yeah. Awesome.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, then Then finals, baby. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I assume Julius Randle is the name there. And I, I took uh, Tibbs in – uh, let me pull up the question. How did Josh phrase it? Um, Tibbs committing to the kids, I took that as Julius Randle being out. Uh, because that, I think, is the only that, – that, that is the definition of committing to the kids, is moving Julius Randle off of this team. Um, in that scenario, I think the ceiling's probably – and I'm looking at this as like not really like super realistic ceiling. I'm saying like best-best-case scenario, something like 48 wins and a competitive first-round series, maybe six-game first-round series against a really good team, whether it's the Heat or, or, or the now-hated Cavs or the Boston Celtics. Um, that would be the best-best-case scenario. Uh, to me, that takes a number of things happening. That takes R.J. Barrett becoming an all-star this year. I'm talking about a season where he puts up something like 26 points per game, 7-8 rebounds, 4-5 assists, just just the, the monster breakout season we always wanted. Shoots close to 50% from the field, shoots just over 35% from three on pretty good volume. If RJ becomes the star that, that we've been hoping for forever, and that, that is a, a big jump because that is the numbers he put up um, over last year with, with just dramatically more efficiency. Again, I don't think that's particularly likely, I, I do think that is the the absolute best case scenario as Josh describes it. Jalen Brunson, if you get point, you get playoffs, Jalen Brunson, what is that? That's like 23 points, six, seven assists, four or five boards a game, like pretty decent defense, really good shooting. And, and then if you commit to the young guys, and I go through each one, best case scenario for all of them, Obi Toppin, I think – There's a world where he averages, again, no Julius Randle on the team, important qualifier. I think there's a world where he averages over 20 points per game this year and does so on on some of the better efficiency you see in the NBA. 53, 54% from the field, 37% from three, pretty good foul shooting. Again, we haven't seen that yet from Obi, but we we sort of did over the last six games of the year. So can he stretch that out over 82? It would be a big, big jump, but I'd love to see it. I can see quickly putting up like 15, six, and six. Grimes um, coming in as either a starter or as a a sixth man in that scenario and averaging 14 points, shooting 38% from three, couple boards, couple of assists. You're looking at a group that is both far statistically improved, but also just greater than the sum of their parts, Alex. That level of cohesion High-level defense, a fun product that plays at one of the faster tempos in the NBA, a.k.a. dramatically different than anything we've seen from the Tom Thibodeau Knicks, which is why it's a best-case scenario.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, it's it's like the, the very uh, uh, hypothetical presented in this question just feels so unlikely uh, that all three of those things would happen. But sadly, the one that I find least likely to happen would be Tibbs embracing the kids and playing them. Um, I could much easier see RJ making an all-star leap or Brunson making like the next leap in his career than I could Tibbs completely fundamentally changing how he operates as a coach uh, at this stage. You know, this advanced stage in his life, this third season coaching the Knicks, you know, it just doesn't seem super likely to me. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think it would probably be about 47, 48 wins. You know, Randall is the guy I was alluding to. And he would still be the wild card to me, you know, because then if all three of those things happen, those are three things that very much push Randall off to the side. You know, it's like Brunson and RJ then become your one, two options on offense, a heavy emphasis gets put on quickly and Topping and grimes. And so then what are you left with as far as Julius Randall, not Julius Randall being the engine of the offense. That's for sure. Like I could, it's pretty easy to say that that would not be the case. Like, and how happy would he be with that? Would he be okay with going back to being like Pelicans, Julius Randall? And we've pondered that so many times and wondered if that could be the case. Cause that would probably be the ideal. If he could somehow like sort of meld his 2020 to 21 self with his, uh, 2019 or sorry, 2018 to 19 self and the Pelicans, that would probably be the best version of Julius Randall possible. A guy that like, can break the defense down and can shoot from mid-range if need be, but mostly is used as a guy that is going to set good screens up top, roll to the basket, you know, use his both his passing and his finishing around the hoop to make things happen there, which his finishing around the hoop, you know, it, it has been the best the last couple of years because of the fact that he's not taking good attempts there, but traditionally he was a great, you know, pick and roll finisher. Uh, especially that year with new Orleans, when he was like in the 90 something percentile in the NBA. So, um, yeah, I think it, I'm basically with you. I, I think about 48 wins. I, I, I guess I, I struggle to think of any way that things wouldn't work out about that good. If all three of those things happen, because I just think if you talk about Brunson being his playoff self, that means basically all-star because I think like a 23, six and five guy would be an all-star pretty easily. If you talk about RJ making a leap, I think we're talking about an all-star. If you have two all-stars on the team, I mean, how, how much could even a sulky Julius Randle sink things? And and would he just be compelled to fall in line and make things happen at that point? Because the team would obviously be winning, or if not winning, then because of a detriment of him. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. But that's, I, I think I'm roughly in lockstep with you on that as far as how things would go.
1: Yeah, I think a, a key factor for me here is, is getting an all-star RJ and getting a borderline all-star Brunson. A prerequisite for that is getting Julius Randle um, off the team. But it, it, is, it is interesting to talk about Randle in that respect because I think, I think a big factor in, in that finishing at the rim in New Orleans was that he got to play a lot of minutes with Anthony Davis. I, I believe, unless I'm totally mistaken, he, he got some time. Playing center there, but but even even playing with AD, which I think was was the majority of his minutes, you, you had a center who could actually space the floor. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson doesn't do that. I, I think that would, I mean, we, we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, but that would dramatically change Randall's life. And uh, uh, maybe maybe the the very like intricate middle ground best case scenario is if Julius, like I don't know, like I hate to say this, but like fell on his head or something and woke up one day and was like. Hey, you know what? I'm actually, I think it'd be best for the team, Tibbs, if I came off the bench from now on and and you had a super sub Julius Randle playing with Isaiah Hartenstein, who's who's figured out how to shoot threes and and Randle could just be a super sub win sixth man of the year. You want real best case scenario for the Knicks? It it is that, but it is unfortunately not a very realistic one. Alex, what is realistic are the benefits of eating built Bars on, on a daily basis.
0: This is very true, and today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar, and if you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys, and guess what? There is a new flavor. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. And you're gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puff because whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just a quick gri- quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. So go to built.com and use promo code Locked On 15, and you can get 15% off your order. Again, head to built.com and use promo code Locked On 15 for 15% off. All right, Gavin, we are back to continue. Our uh, discussion in this mailbag here, we have a question that we unfortunately forgot to get to for our last mailbag, and he reminded us of it. So apologies to Ricky here. Uh, Ricky Rodriguez at r underscore rod 84 on Twitter. And Ricky's question is, who out of RJ or OB fit the Derek Jeter prototype from the young guys on the team? You know what? Just for fun, I'm going to throw quickly and grimes in there, too. Just in case one of us thinks that one of them is is that guy. Uh, Gavin, you are the resident Yankees fan. I am the resident Mets fan here. Uh, I would have loved if Ricky asked us about who's going to be the David Wright. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> uh So be it, I guess. Uh, that said, I'll still answer from the perspective of Jeter. But as the Yankee fan, I will throw it to you first.
1: Uh, I appreciate that, Allie. I was, I was going to say you could go David Wright. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a benevolent Yankees fan. Um, and, and we have to be right now, given how things are going, but I I would, I, I think it's clearly RJ Barrett, despite, um, being the youngest of that group, maybe outside of Grimes, uh, he, I think is clearly the leader of the group, both because of, um, the pedigree, like, like where he was drafted. And I think in turn, the unique pressure that's on his shoulders relative to the other guys. And whenever we, we talk about ranking those guys and, and even in the past, when I, when I've said, you know, maybe Emmanuel Quickly is a better prospect than him, I've acknowledged that RJ, I think the degree of difficulty of what he does is just higher than all these other guys. And being younger than all, if not most of them, uh, he, he has sort of been placed in the role of being a leader. And I think one of the, the most interesting things of Derek Jeter's legacy is how he's he's universally considered this all-time player, but there are a lot of uh, people in the advanced analytics community that will push against that and say, you know, maybe he was he was good to very good, but his his greatness comes from the perceived intangibles there and and just the the track record of his organization rather than his inherent talent. And you know what? I would be okay if that's RJ Barrett's legacy and that, and that like if the Knicks find a way. To build the super team, I don't know, Let's just say by some miracle, Luka Doncic, either himself or that type of talent, ends up here in a couple of seasons. And RJ is sort of the second or third guy, but kind of remains the, the spiritual leader of those championship teams or of those perennial conference finals or finals teams. Um, I think that's a pretty decent legacy. And just because, at least in my mind, I, I think it, it's doubtful that he's ever a hyper-efficient 25 plus point score there's a world where he's he he, in a different role he's a hyper efficient 16 to 18 point score I could see that ultimately being his legacy similar to a Derek Jeter so for all those reasons Alex he's the clear-cut answer to me uh do you have a different one uh framing it in a a David Wrighty context
0: (laughs) No, I'll stick with Jeter I mean (laughs) because much so I love David Wright eventually the goal is to win a championship so I would prefer if RJ turned out uh to be Jeter rather than right in that regard although I love my Mets maybe they'll win this year um but I I would say I think it's RJ too um I think mostly just for a lot of the same reasons I think it's really hard contextually to compare basketball and baseball as far as on field on court type stuff because baseball is just such a different game like Yes, technically you're playing offense and defense in baseball, but, I mean, I, there's like two different forms of offense in baseball. There's pitching and then there's hitting, you know, because pitching in its own way is like its own offensive, you know, where you're trying to – the pitcher is playing offense against the batters then playing offense against the field. Um, you know, so it's, it's a little different. Um, I, I think that Jeter, like RJ, hopefully will be for his career, was – a, a good fielder as well as a great hitter, you know. Jeter was never a like it, he in all the eras that he played through, where there were so many power hitters and everything, winning MVPs and stuff like that. He never quite was at that level, uh, as far as being you know like the the surefire, clear cut MVP type guy. But obviously, was the the backbone of a multiple championship winning team which is really worth something. So in, in that regard, I agree with you too. I think like RJ in the future could potentially do that. As far as the leadership is concerned, like I, you could relate that to Wright or to Jeter or to RJ. Like they, they're they clearly commanding presences in the locker room. Um, you know, clearly guys that are well-respected by their peers. RJ, I think, completely has the ear of all of the the like young core in the locker room, even though as you alluded to, like, Pretty much all of them are older than him. Like he got drafted before a number of these guys, but he's he's younger than pretty much all of them by virtue of how young he was when he got drafted. Um, and yet he's still like that leader, and he's still the guy that is the guaranteed starter, is the one young guy that's like for sure getting his every single night because he's that talented. So in, in that regard, I think that he's he's kind of Jeter esque. Um, I I guess the only difference is that he's not technically. Like a local kid, like Jeter was born in New Jersey. Um, you know, RJ was from Canada, but whatever. I mean, he's he's got New York figured out. Like he's it, you could have fooled me. I I could swear that RJ was from New York his whole also, life. Also, his his they dad went f- to
1: St. John's, right? Like we got we got a little bit. Yeah, I it. guess there's some yeah, connection there. Some so connection
0: there. There. so, so connection. that yeah, I guess that's there, why yeah, he came in so it, so ready for New York anyway. So. um so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I think it's RJ. I think it's RJ on a landslide. If I was going to pick a runner up, I might actually go quickly just because I feel like quickly, I mean, not to say that Obie's work ethic isn't great too, but I feel like quickly is always the guy setting the tone in that regard with like working out at 2 a.m. on a game night, you know, like taking snaps of himself back at the gym or whatever, putting up threes at two in the morning after he just played an NBA game, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Just from like the work ethic perspective and leading by example, I would probably put him. I guess as my runner up.
1: Yeah, and I think I think quickly has a little bit of the same sense of the moment that Jeter did. Like everyone, or maybe maybe not so much Mets fans, but uh, most people finally remember Jeter's final game that that last uh, game winning hit. I feel like that that's a very quickly esque thing to happen. He he loves the crowd and he knows he knows how to play up to the moment when when necessary. So I'm I'm with you on him as a runner up. Uh, But Alex, let's let's step aside one final time. Come back, and you know what? Let's do let's do Marvel's job, Kevin Feige's job for him, and cast the Knicks in the new Fantastic Four movie. That next on Locked On Knicks. All right, guys, we are back on Locked On Knicks, third and final segment, third and final question in this mailbag edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast, and it comes from Bugsy Sig, a a, a longtime question asker. Shout out to Bugsy, Um, and he wants to know: Screw Mount Rushmore. Who are your all-time New York Knicks Fantastic Four only rule? They have to live up to the titles of Mr. Fantastic, the Human Torch, the Thing, and in the movies, it is the Invisible Movie. On in the New York Knicks, it is the Invisible Man. Hashtag Marvel, hashtag Fantastic Four, hashtag Knicks. I appreciate the the SEO with all, with all those hashtags there. Uh, but Alex, I'll, I'll throw that to you first because I I struggled with the first one. Who Who is your Mr. Fantastic?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, so I guess... Other than the stretchy part, like other than the actual powers, if we're just talking about who the person would be that would sort of be the leader and everything else, I I would, uh, I don't know, I go back and forth, like, between Clyde or Reed, Um, or maybe Ewing. I don't know. That's, that's really tough. I mean, I feel like whoever that one is, it's got to be like the, the dude, you know, in like Nick's history. And I think you and I have said this a number of times before. Like, I think we're both on the same page as Clyde to us. Um, probably doesn't hurt that Clyde has been like the announcer of our lives too. Um, which definitely is a few points in his favor. Um, I would say though, I, I think I'll actually go Ewing just for the, the wingspan portion of it and everything else that sort of matches Mr. Fantastic. Uh, you know, the overall ability to uh, uh, like lead a team and you know do all that. I mean, he certainly did that throughout the 90s, almost brought the Knicks to a championship, uh, really was a singular force on those Knicks teams, which he wouldn't have to be as part of a Fantastic Four. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Ewing just for the... Mostly it comes down to like, there are plenty of good candidates from a leadership perspective and stuff, but I think that he's the one that most makes me think of a guy that has go-go gadget arms, other than maybe like Mitchell Robinson, who's not there with the other qualities yet.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Mitchell Robinson is the guy who most lives up to the to the power set for me, but also with Mr. Fantastic, you think about him as, as either the smartest or, or one of the few smartest guys in the Marvel Universe. And I think that's what pushed me towards Clyde in terms of, I mean, we, we've seen it as an announcer, but also as a player, just the savviness. And and you hear him still talk about to this day, like how like a, a lot of his, like plenty of physical talent, but how a lot of his game, was based on outthinking people, in the 1970 through '73 Knicks, widely considered one of the smartest, most cohesive teams in NBA history. And Clyde, right there. I think I think Reed was the emotional leader for those teams, but Clyde was the on-court orchestrator and leader of those teams. And, and someone much like Mister Fantastic, who who stepped up when it mattered most. So I'm I'm right on board with that with you. Um, and then for the the Human Torch. Uh, I went with a pretty recent Nick. I went with Jr. Smith. I mean, the the ultimate sort of like get hot quick guy, change the trajectory of a game. Kind of kind of hit or miss, like a little a little unreliable at times. But like, but when you need him most, uh, especially during that 12-13 season. Generally, um, playoffs aside, came up pretty big. Had some really big moments, and, and yeah, he's he's just sort of the quintessential like like when he's hot, you don't want to mess with him. Honorable mentions there for me. Were um, Evan Fournier um, because I, I thought he really embodied that quality on last year's Nick. Like put together some of the better individual performances I've I've ever seen for a Nick, which I think kind of got lost in some of the criticism he dealt with last year. Uh, Steve Novak, another guy, just when he got hot, it was a lot of fun. And then Jeremy Lin, just because he had he had the all time greatest hot stretch in in New York Knicks history.
0: Yeah, I, I can't really argue with the JR choice. I'll throw out two other names to give love to in that category, though, that come to my mind, which would be John Starks. Uh, you know, like the JR Smith before JR Smith was JR Smith. Uh, JR just happens to be our generation's version of that player. But to like a whole other generation of Knicks fans, John Starks was that guy that could get hot in a hurry and just like bury an opponent by scoring like thirty points, like it was nothing. Um but then also could frustrate you to no end. Uh, And, and, you know, another part of human torch too, is that he's, he's a little cocky, you know, a little, little bit, you know, feeling himself. And that's definitely something that uh, I think JR and, and Starks both showed on the court for better or worse. A lot was high confidence in their own abilities, even when they weren't working. Uh, The other guy that I would throw a little bit of love to there would be uh, Jamal Crawford, I think would be the last one. I mean, He's also just a guy that could, I mean, 50 points in a game, he scored. I, you could also say Mello, I guess, in that regard, too. Because, I, I mean, that's another guy that when he got hot, he was hotter than hot. So, you know, even if he's not like a microwave scorer. But, yeah, Mello, Jamal Crawford, lots of good guys for this category from Knicks history. Uh, but I, I think I'll go Jr. Smith, too, just because, I don't know, the second this came up, that was the first thought that came to my mind. I feel like you should usually go with your first instinct. Uh, so next we'll go to the thing. Uh, the thing, of course, for people that aren't familiar, uh, he his power from the uh, accident, accident that they all suffered they all was suffered, essentially was becoming essentially a, a giant a moving, walking, 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 talking rock, um, uh, like literally cool. like he's made of rocks, yeah, made of rocks and, and, has and has superhuman strength, superhuman strength sort of Hulk esque but made of rocks. Made of rocks. Um, um, so, so, that so that one kind of throws kind me kind for a loop a little bit. I'm trying to think like who.
1: Oh, you want me to? You want to throw you mine?
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I had Charles Oakley there. Because initially, I I didn't okay, I, yeah. I, I didn't really have a clean name for that, and I was like, yeah, who's like the ultimate like brawler in Nick's history, and that that was that was just who came to mind first.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That would be someone that would say it's clobbering time for sure. Yeah, um,
1: probably has like just I would day also, of life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would also go Willis Reed, because um, thinking back, uh, Willis did have that story from early in his career where he, like, started a fight with the whole bench of another team. I forget what the team was. Um, and He was also, like, the, despite being an MVP of the league and a supremely talented player, he was also kind of a bruiser throughout his whole career, said to be one of the few guys in the league that could, like, legitimately strike fear into Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, despite, unlike Bill Russell, who was, like, right there with Wilt, as far as size and strength and everything like Willis was a little undersized. He was only like six foot nine playing against guys that were over seven feet tall and yet still was enough of an intimidator uh, on both ends to make that work. So I I would go Willis, but do you have anything to add to that? I think Oakley or Willis is pretty good though. Maybe, maybe Mason, we could add to that. He was another one of those like rough and
1: tumble nineties guys. Yeah. The whole, whole whole nineties Knicks come, come close to qualifying but But Willis Reed is a great one. I just looked it up. The fight was with the Lakers. So if if you, if you want another reason to love Willis Reed, uh, that is it. And apparently, you can you can find the full uh, footage on YouTube, so that is pretty cool. Uh, the last one was the one that I I struggled with the most, and I, I had to maybe maybe you have a even more realistic answer, Alex. I I kind of had to turn it into a joke. So the the Invisible Man for me, unfortunately, was Amari Stoudemire because he was by and large invisible for his Knicks contract. But I, I felt I feel kind of bad cracking on stat. Someone I don't feel is bad cracking on Joakim Noah because literally was not here. So I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm going to go Joakim Noah because I feel like Amari he desperately wanted to do great for this team. He when he was healthy, those those precious forty or fifty games, he did do great stuff for this team. So I feel bad putting him there. So I'm going to put in Joakim Noah as as, as the Invisible Man, and in because there there technically is not an Invisible Man on the Fantastic Four, I feel particularly good about it. He is just that absent as a presence.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll honorable mention. uh, I think Eddie Curry, Jerome James is another
1: name that I'm thinking of now.
0: Jerome James, yeah, all the guys that Isaiah Thomas paid and then eventually just paid to stay home. (laughs) 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 Um, I think Eddie Eddie would be the number one one for me though. That was one. I mean, especially because there was so many. I mean, Noah there was expectations too, but Eddie they made a huge trade for and then paid and then got nothing out of him for the whole back end of his contract um and literally paid him to stay home after a while just like they did with jo you know so that would be my other invisible man uh but i like yeah, noah yeah. too i honestly almost forgot about him
1: um perfect he's, he's doing his power there
0: <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think if there's a if there's a positive spin we could possibly put on that but I, I can't really just like in the context of sports i think of someone being invisible and it's never a good thing no like, i guess there's like no way who- to like positively spin
1: that Maybe someone who could like sneak around screens, like an Evan Fournier or something. But yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's Pablo Prigioni, perhaps. That's a good one with, Pablo? A, with his, Yeah, with his ability to poke it from behind from people. Yeah, all right. Pr- Prigioni is the positive yeah. answer. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. Yeah,
0: he'll be the positive spin. Yeah. yeah, able to able to go invisible and steal the ball from somebody on an inbounds. That's one good way to put it, and a good excuse to bring up Pablo Prigioni for the first time in a while. So, that's that. Anyway. Uh, I think we've reached our end of this first edition of our of our mailbag here. Gavin, were there any last uh, Marvel uh, uh, analogies that came to your head for the Fantastic Four for uh, for the Knicks before we sign off?
1: No, just that uh, shout out shout out to Bugsy Sig. I, I love this question. If anyone wants us to do the Avengers at any point, uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, hit, hit us up. Always oh, oh, oh down for that. Justice League, even. I'm we're, we're, we're versatile on the show.
0: <laughs> yeah or even the seven from the boys you know maybe we oh, can get to real dark with it um, <laughs> anyway right, it thank is, you all for listening Tib-
1: Tib- Tibbs for Homelander Julius Randall for Homelander we gotta we gotta really we gotta go through this
0: uh, I think he it's gotta be gotta Dolan go as Homelander somewhere. honestly yeah, I mean who else who else, who who else could, could be, be, that be that sick,
1: that sick. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not confident <laughs> that, enough to be Stan Edgar I don't think
0: yeah yeah, I don't think so either. I guess we'll have to see. I think Leon would be Edgar. But anyway, we're giving away the answers for a whole other question. Someone ask that question, then we'll answer next time. We're not going to do this for free. Come on. We need to have someone ask it first. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening to Locked On Knicks. We will talk to you guys all soon. We'll have more editions of the mailbag. If you still have any questions that you're thinking of, uh, or if you didn't ask any, like you didn't see the tweet about it, You know, if you're on YouTube, feel free to drop us questions in the YouTube comments. We will look and see. Uh, hopefully we'll catch it. Uh, or if you want to hit us up on Twitter at Locked On Nicks, we still have the tweet up asking for questions, so you can always ask us there. Uh, but we love hearing from you guys, especially this month. This is going to be like probably the deadest month of the season for Knicks coverage. So whatever questions you guys have, we're happy to answer all month long. Uh, but until next time, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out, guys.